Kenny Pickett is QB3. Sorry, QB2. Clerical error on my part. Let's talk about the depth chart. Oh, what a roller coaster ride the past 48 hours have been for us Steeler fans. The depth chart came out. What was it? Four o'clock on Sunday? The depth chart, the first Steeler depth chart came out. And Kenny Pickett was listed as QB3, sent the internet ablaze with all the hot takes of how could they do this? How could Kenny Pickett be QB3? Kenny's a bust, yada, yada, right? And then what is it, 18 hours later? 11 a.m. as I'm recording this here on Monday night. It was 11 a.m. today, an hour before Tomlin's noon press conference. And Burt Lawton, the Steelers PR guy, tweets out, oh, hey, uh, BT Dubs, we got an updated, we got an updated depth chart for you. Here it is. Tomlin will address it at his noon press conference. That depth chart change, by the way, was just one player, just one guy. That was Kenny Pickett, who was elevated to QB2 on this depth chart. Oops. Oh, sorry. Oh, forgot to put first round quarterback as QB2 on the right. That's a completely skipped my mind. Quarterback battle. Yeah, you know, sorry about that one. I did love all the hot takes today. Um, obviously, Conspiracy Tony, I have some thoughts. Conspiracy Tony has some thoughts, for sure. But let's address it off the top. Kenny Pickett is QB2, not QB3. Now, if you heard uh, my the, the other show I do, AFC North Talk, I did address it there. And really, my opinion is pretty much the same. Because as I said on that show, I, I didn't think it was that big a deal that Kenny's QB3. You know, Mitch Trubisky being QB1 is something you pretty much, if you've been following along with who's been taking what reps, and the fact that Mitch has basically taken every single rep, and I've been saying this since the beginning of training camp, there really isn't a quarterback battle. It was pretty clear that Trubisky was going to be the starting quarterback for this team in week one. It got interesting near the end because of how well Kenny played, but even still, it just never felt like there was a real battle between Trubisky and Pickett for that QB1 spot. And so, you know, when we talk about QB2 and QB3, you know, whether or not Kenny was QB2 or QB3 to me, it almost doesn't matter. You know, the, at the end of the day, it's still it's still the case that Mitch is going to start until he screws this thing up for himself or he gets injured. And if either of those things are the case, then I, I think Kenny would have started, even if he was listed as QB3. But the, the idea of QB3 wasn't that big a deal because, you know, Kenny Pickett as QB3 can still come in if they're going to bench him in the long term, right? You just elevate Kenny back to the roster and he's QB1 now. And in a pinch... You know, let's say let's say Trubisky got hurt in a game, in a one-game situation. Or you need to come off the bench. You need a player to come off the bench and execute the same game plan. Well, Mason's been around this offense forever, right? We've, I've already, we've talked about how comfortable he is. Yada yada. Made a lot of sense for okay. In a short-term pinch, I need a guy right now. That's Mason Rudolph. But long-term, I want Kenny Pickett to be my guy, so he's deactivated and Mason's QB two. But that's not the way they do it. They did it the other way. You know, Kenny's QB two. Cool. You know. Now, how did this happen? Well, that's where the fun starts. That's where the fun starts. How did, how did Mike Tomlin and the Steelers just forget, oops, forgot to update the QB depth chart. That's what everyone's going to look at when we release this thing, right? Because remember, Tomlin's doing the whole, who knows who the quarterback is? Oh, and it could be anybody. You could be quarterback. Um, and they just forgot, oopsies, forgot to do it. Okay, so there's been three theories thrown out. Well, okay, well, there's one that's what Tomlin says happened. We'll get to that in a second. The other two theories are, one, that Tomlin caved to fan pressure. The idea that Tomlin releases the depth chart, and then what happened from that point? I guess he's like on, you know, he's on social media now, right? So he's like laying in bed at night, just kind of scrolling through Twitter. He sees Andrew Filipponi going nuts and saying, Kenny's the best third quarterback in the league. 
and he has a change of heart in the last, oh, you know, Filipponi's right. I really screwed this one up. You know what? I need to make Kenny. Bert, release a new one. Make Kenny QB2. Is that what we think happened with Tomlin? I very much doubt that Tomlin gave to fan pressure in 18 hours after he released his original death chart. No, I, I don't buy that one whatsoever. That one is just silly to me. The next, the next conspiracy theory is that Art got involved, right? That the ownership came in and said, hey, we want Kennedy to be QB too. I find this theory also pretty hard to believe because does Art really care? Like Kenny's not starting. I mean, at the end of the day, if if Kenny were, were announced as the starter, I could believe that there was maybe some ownership pressure to make that happen, you know, because that's where ownership pressure is going to happen. I don't think, does Art Rooney care who the backup quarterback is in Pittsburgh? Does he care that Kenny was QB3? Is there like this black eye on Pittsburgh that Kenny's QB2? They had to, now, the timeline does work out for, for those of you who do think that this was some kind of ownership pressure. Because I could believe that Art saw, you know, Art, the ownership group and everything, saw the, the fan reaction, the media. This was a national media story. I can believe potentially that, like, Art got up in the morning. I was like, hey, we need to talk, Tomlin. Like, let's talk about this QB2 thing. Why are you have Kenny QB3? Blah, blah, you know, the fans don't like it, blah, blah, blah. I suppose there's like a 5% chance that that happened. But what I think happened is what Tomlin said clerical error they just copy and pasted the depth chart and i do think that they forgot to change quarterback i legitimately do and here's why here's why first of all tomlin is notoriously you know he notoriously does not care about depth charts does not care he used to list back in the day, my favorite thing he used to do he used to list terrell edmonds as a free safety i mean he just would list the safeties wrong like not everyone knows i mean edmonds is getting better now he can play more free as he's kind of uh matured but early on in his career strong he was a strong safety and then, but they would just list everybody wrong. I mean, I get Tomlin is just notorious for not giving, you know, not giving a care about where certain guys are listed, right? This guy's a starter. Sure. Where he's starting, who cares? You know, so, but the next thing I think that happened, what, what I really think happened though, is I think Tomlin, okay, let's say that Tomlin's going to have to tell someone what the changes to the depth chart are going to be, right? And again, Tomlin doesn't really care. So he's just kind of shorthanding it. All right. Warren's going to be RB2. And we'll go through this position by position. But the big changes on the roster or on the depth chart are, Dotson is the starting left guard. That's changed from what it was, Kendrick Green. Warren won RB2, and Devin Bush won the inside linebacking job. Everything else pretty much stays the same. Now, what, now you might say, well, why wouldn't he update the quarterback thing? Well, because I, going back to what my theory been all along, I don't think Mike Tomlin ever really considered this a quarterback battle. I think Tomlin might have said that a thousand times, and he did. And he kept saying, you know, I, I haven't picked one yet. I haven't picked one yet. But we all know, watching the games, being there at practice, Mitch Trubisky took every QB1 rep. In Tomlin's mind, Trubisky was always QB1. This was not a this was not a competition for him. It was only if Trubisky were to be an absolute disaster would that have ever come into play. So, yeah, I, do I believe that he put together a depth chart and just forgot that he didn't have Kenny already as QB2 because that's out of mind for him? The quarterback battle wasn't really a battle for him? Yes, that is what I think happened. I think Mike Tomlin actually forgot that he didn't have Kenny QB2 already because he wasn't changing anything. QB thing is, you know, set has been set in stone since day one of camp. And that's how it happened. That's how I think it happened. Yes. And and look, and again, for me, the whole Kenny QB2, Kenny QB3 thing, Kenny Pickett is the long-term quarterback of the Steelers. Whether he was listed as QB3 yesterday or QB2 today, five years from now, we'll still be watching Kenny Pickett as quarterback. And if, if the Steelers bench Mitch Trubisky because he's a disaster, they will go to Kenny Pickett. Whether he was QB3 or QB2, that was my belief the entire time. So 
you know, I know it's, it's exciting for some of you out there, like Pickett's QB two, but for me, it doesn't change much because I just kind of assumed it's Mitch's job until he loses it. And when he loses it, the keys are not getting handed over to Mason Rudolph. They're getting handed over to Kenny Pickett. And that'll be the end of the road for Mitch Trubisky and, and the beginning of the Kenny Pickett era. But let's go through now. We'll talk about the depth chart. And, and some, as I said, look, I, I know Tomlin doesn't put a ton into this depth chart. Doesn't put a lot of thought into it. There are some things we can glean from it. So we'll go over that. I haven't done a 53-man roster uh, you know, analysis anyway. So we can kind of use this depth chart thing as a way for me to kind of go through and let you know what I think about each each position on the roster. We'll start with quarterback. Mitch is your starter. No surprise there. The question really with, with Mitch is, okay, what's the leash? You know, how, how big a leash does he have? I think it's all, you know, the, the obvious signs here are game four, the Jets game. It's a long week after that Thursday game against Cleveland. I think if you're going to pick a game on the roster and say, where could Mitch get benched for Kenny? That's the most obvious pick. But, you know, I don't know that Mitch is going to have a short leash. I really don't. You know, they they got Mitch in, in for agency. They, Tomlin talked to us so much at that press conference today about, you know, what a veteran he is and he's led teams to playoffs. I just don't think he's going to have this massively short leash unless Trubisky is an out-and-out out disaster. I mean, unless he's a straight-up disaster, I don't think he's going to have a short leash with Trubisky. And I, as I said, I said this on AC North Talk the other day, it's not going to shock me. It's a hot take, but it's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a shocking one that I don't think, I think there's a real chance Kenny Pickett never sees the field in 22. It'd be a disappointment for all of us. But at the end of the day, you know, it would mean that Mitch isn't an out-and-out out disaster. Um, and I think that would be good for the Steelers overall. All right, going over to the running back position. Love that Jalen Warren is RB2. Absolutely love that. We talked about him all throughout preseason. It is, look, this is just a piece of paper, right? This is not exactly how the reps are going to be given out on a game-to-game basis. So even though Warren is RB2 on this particular piece of paper, does that mean that when it comes Sunday against the Bengals, that Warren is going to get the second most carries in that game? We'll still, we'll see. This is an encouraging first step. I mean, obviously once we get into the games and there, there's going to be a whole situational football and you see the short yardage guy and, and all that, how, how many, uh, how many looks are they going to give to a, a second and third running back? You know, we, we know they're going to go bell cow system with Najee Harris, but I, I like that Warren is listed as RB two here. Again, as I said, good first step, hope he gets some carries, hope they, they lighten the load for Najee. It'd be huge for this team to be able to lighten that load for Najee, keep him fresh in games. If this team's going to be playing those close games late, where you have a fresh Najee Harris at the end of the game trying to seal a win and keep him keep him fresh later on in the year, too. Right? I mean, and just, you know, and, and long his career as well, because we know that running backs in the modern NFL, you know, they, their shelf life is five, six years, seven if you're lucky. Right. So, and I mean, the top guys can go longer, but then normally it's, it's, I mean, you, you go, you start pushing six and seven, it's, it's not great. So, um, love to see Warren there at RB2. At wide receiver, you know, not a whole lot here to, to choose from as far as, you know, interesting bits here. I think it is interesting that they ended up keeping six guys. We talked about maybe they would only keep five. They end up keeping both Boykin and Sims. Now, they actually kept seven on the actual 53, but Calvin Austin went to IR. We'll be interesting to see when, when Austin comes back, who is going to end up getting cut out of this room. Will it be Sims? Given his return capabilities, he is listed as the backup return guy. Uh, Boykin is, is going to be a special team when it comes to the gunner. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, it'd be interesting to see who gets cut there, but at, at the end of the day, I think the Steelers have some nice options here at the wide receiver position. We'll talk about the Deontay situation when we do the, the preview on Friday, but Deontay may not play this week, uh, which will probably mean Claypool and Pickens are your outside receivers. 
Gunner in the slot, but I would also then expect to see Sims get get a little bit of look in that game because he can also play in that slot receiver position, and, and we know what he can do as far as his ability to take those end arounds and, and get him in some open space situations. So, again, we, we've talked about the, the depth at wide receiver that played itself out throughout camp, and how about it? Seven guys make the initial 53, six of them on this roster, but you also have Calvin Austin on short-term IR. Tight end, not much to talk about. It was Frymouth, Gentry, and Hayward the whole way. That's how it ends up. The only interesting thing now is, is to see how many reps does Howard get, or Howard, does Hayward get in an actual game situation? Obviously, we, we saw them try to utilize him and try to try to analyze his game early on in his career, right? A lot of reps for him in preseason, a lot of reps for him in training camp with the ones and twos, trying to get an assessment of, of where he is right now in his growth and development. But now that they know that, do they actually feel comfortable enough to play him on Sundays? That'll be something to watch for as we uh, as we get into Sunday's game against Cincinnati. On the offensive line, pretty much chalk at this point. Kevin Dotson won the left guard spot. As I said all along, I'm not hugely impressed with what Dotson did, but certainly he was better than Kendrick Green. Um, and I think the, the real interesting part here is if the Steelers have to make any adjustments on that offensive line. You know, we talked about Dan Moore and how close he is potentially to a Kendrick Green situation where you say to yourself, wait, hold on a second. Even though he is a young player, he's just not anywhere close to where he needs to be to the point where do we need to bench him? And that's why I think the Steelers went out and got a guy like Jesse Davis. Interesting about this offensive line, they kind of cleared house behind him. You know, gone are the guy. Gone is Joe Haig. Gone is John Leglue. These were guys who, who last year, you know, played some minutes for this team. You know, they were kind of swing pieces. Leglue at guard and Haig at tackle. Both guys are gone now. They bring in Jesse Davis, uh, traded for him from the Minnesota Vikings. He's a long-term starter for the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins didn't have a great offensive line, and Jesse Jesse Davis is certainly not a great player. But as a backup and as someone who can just kind of give you, who has NFL experience, you can kind of trust as far as the calls and all of that, uh, maybe not his talent level, but you can certainly trust his vet, the veteran part of his game. You know, I, I think if Dan Moore, if Dan Moore got benched, I know it says here that Jesse Davis is a right tackle. He's not, he's a left tackle uh, or he could play left tackle, I should say. And I think he would be the replacement for Dan Moore. If it came to that it, more interesting, I think will be if anything happens to Dotson, do they go back to Kendrick green or Jesse Davis comes in in that spot? Cause Jesse Davis played a lot of guard in his career as well. So keep a look for that. Uh, if changes have to be made at either tackle or guard. Is Jesse Davis kind of first guy off the bench on that offensive line? All right. Uh, and then obviously Derek Watt is, is your fullback. He he made the roster. No no shocker there. Going over to the defensive uh, side of the, of the field here, there's not a whole lot of shocks on the, on the defensive line. The Steelers ended up keeping all the players we thought they would. Hayward, Ogunjobi, Aluwalu are your starters. Loudermilk, Wormley are uh, your backups. Uh, on the defensive line as far as the edge positions. Although DeMarvin Leal here does get the or. You like that. You know, DeMarvin Leal, I think, and I think the or there is Loudermilk probably more of a rundown situation player and Leal probably more of a, certainly going to be a pass rush situation. Those third downs, if, if Hayward or, or, or uh, Ogunjobi needs to come off the field, I think you'll see Leal potentially get some of those reps. And, and Montrevious Adams will be there as your backup nose for Aluwalu. Good to see that he's healthy enough to make the, the 53 and not have to go to any sort of IR situation. At the edge rush position, the Steelers made wholesale changes here. Now, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are your starters, but behind them, we had been talking about Derek Tuska. We had been talking about Hamilcar Rashad Jr., and we had been kind of pondering the cut of Jannard Avery. The Steelers 
I think Omar Khan kind of saw what we saw, which is, boy, the depth here at the edge rush position is just not there, whether it's Tuska, whether it's Hamilcar, whether it's Delonte Scott. None of these guys, I, I think, are what you really are looking for from a third edge rush position when you consider that, look, TJ had some injuries last year. Highsmith had some injuries last year. The Steelers really did rely on that third edge rusher. And if that third edge rusher is going to be Derek Tuska, boy, that is that is a far, far cry from what they had last year when it comes to guys like uh, Mar- uh, uh, In- uh, Ingram. Can't remember his first name now for whatever it's just going to escape me. Melvin Ingram and uh, and also Taco Charlton. Uh, but Malik Reed comes over from Denver. This is a great – I thought this was a really good trade. Malik Reed's a, a very good player. Uh, kind of is a – he's been a perennial um, six-sack, 30-pressure type player for Denver over his, you know over his what four or five years in the league now um and i think again not a superstar at the position but comes in and i think is going to be able to spell tj and highsmith and and the other thing about him is he's a, he's a solid run defender as well and we talked about this when we talked about jernard avery getting cut from this team is jernard avery very good pass rusher but boy as far as being able to contain the the, the athletic quarterbacks and being able to play a plus, as a plus run defender Avery really struggled. I think Malik Reed certainly is going to fit that better. Maybe not as good as a pure pass rusher as Avery, but a more well-rounded player back to front. And I think that's what the Steelers are going to like about Reed. The only interesting thing with Reed is, you know, you come in at this part of the 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 um, the process. You know, we're talking about a team that's already gone through an entire training camp, an entire preseason, and they're going to have to figure out how they want to use Reed. And Reed's going to kind of figure out his his role in the defense very late in the process. Not the end of the world. But, you know, something to think about here with uh, with Reed becoming essentially immediately edge number three. And the other guy here to talk about is Jameer Jones, who the Steelers signed. Uh, Jameer had been with the Steelers previously, and now he's brought back into the system. So the Steelers cut Rashad. They cut Tuska. They end up keeping nobody. Delonte Scott. Actually, uh, Hamilcar and Delonte Scott both made the practice squad. Um, but otherwise, none of the guys we had been talking about as that third edge rusher, fourth edge rusher, even made the roster. The Steelers go out and trade for Malik Reed and then uh, signed Jameer Jones. Again, going back to that idea of Omar Khan saw the same thing we did when it came to this edge rush position and said, we got to make massive upgrades here. We got to figure something out because the guys we have aren't going to cut it. And he did that, by the way, not just on the actual 53. Go look at the practice squad as well. The practice squad is, is full of guys who were not in the system. This is It's not like the Steelers are recycling guys that were on the 90-man roster to begin training camp. They went out and got guys from other systems and brought them in kind of rejuvenating uh, the, the the backups or the the, uh, the practice squad on this roster as well. Uh, I, again, I, I think this is, you know, Omar Khan doing things his way, right? You know, this is a, a very un-Steeler thing to do. The Steelers are a very patient organization. They kind of pick their guys. They're going to watch them develop over time. Khan's saying, hey, listen, I don't like a lot of these guys right now. Uh, not necessarily a clean house situation because of the 16 guys, I think only eight of them are new. But still, um, I think it's Omar Khan kind of, putting his stamp on, hey, we need to upgrade at some of these spots. Um, and he went out there and tried to find some guys from other organizations in order to do that. Uh, going over to the inside linebacker position, Devin Bush ends up winning the spot. Yeah, I had said early on, I thought I thought Spillane had a real chance. Again, it just I, for me, I, it, it had to have come down to athleticism. You know, It had to come down to the fact that Bush, while, I, again, I don't know that the ceiling is, is where we all want it to be, certainly from an athleticism perspective, while you don't love Devin Bush and, you know, he's not a playmaker and he, he, the whole like avoiding contact, allergic to playmaking thing, yes, all that's still going to be there. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know that he's mu- as much of a, a player on the field who offenses are going to try to scheme themselves 
around or or into, I should say, right? He's not the kind of player that you're necessarily going to say, okay, we're he's the guy we're going to take advantage of on a play-to-play basis. He's not a great football player, certainly been a disappointment. But when it came to Roberts Blaine, there were ways from an athleticism standpoint to kind of scheme him into some really advantageous situations for the offense. I think that's what the Steelers probably wanted to avoid, and that's why Devin Bush ends up being your starter. Love Miles Jack, though. I mean, again, I think this this position, it, it, it is kind of saved by Miles Jack and how well he has played thus far. Interesting that Mark Robinson is listed above Marcus Allen, although, once again, you know, Mike Tomlin doesn't put a lot of thought into these things. Allen's going to probably be more of a uh, of a special teams guy. And potentially, you know, we'll see if Mark Mark Robinson ends up being a, an inactive on game days early on in his career. At corner, no real surprises here. Akilo is a starting corner. You know, he's essentially CB1. Cam Sutton listed as a starting outside corner because that's what he'll play in base situations. Mallette is your nickelback. Now, this is one, another one of those situations where people kind of read too much into this. This is where I say, look, don't read too much into these things because, you know, Tomlin doesn't put a lot of thought in it. So you're putting more thought than Tomlin is if you really read too much into this. Look, Mallette's listed as, as the nickelback. And that will be true probably in early down or obvious running down situations where they're going to want to use Mallette around the line of scrimmage. We know he's a great blitzer. We know he's a good run defender. Right? He's a good downhill type player. You don't want him necessarily in coverage situations. If it's third and 15 and the Steelers are in nickel, the Steelers are in dime, I guarantee you Mallette will not be on the field. It will be Cam Sutton kicking inside and Levi Wallace will come off the bench and replace Cam Sutton as an outside corner on this team. That's how they did it in, in preseason. That's how they're going to do it in the regular season. That's how they did it last year when they were bringing guys like James Pierre, Justin Lane, and then Akilah Witherspoon late in the year off the bench in those nickel spots. Um, and I think the Steelers will continue to do that. Mallette's going to be a good player for this team in early and obvious running down situations at nickel. It's what he was last year. But when it comes to obvious passing downs, it'll be Cam Sutton in the slot. It'll be uh, Levi Wallace coming off the bench. And then at safety, I think this is one probably I think people might have been surprised by, which is that the Steelers didn't add a fifth safety. Was, obviously, DeMonte Casey was was almost the storyline of the preseason with, with how well he had played and, and kind of carving a role for himself and carving kind of a new defense almost, you know, the idea of a three safety defense and can we move Edmonds down into the box in some situations and place them too high with Casey and Minka. Uh, I thought those were going to be some interesting sets. The Steelers could have run. Certainly this week would have been a great time to run something like that. When you consider the, the amount of threats, the Bengals re- uh, represent at wide receiver, but also you know the rushing threat of, of Joe Mixon, um, in, in those situations when they can come out in 11 and still run with Mixon. Yeah, again, you could have kind of solved two birds with one stone there by having KZ on the field with Edmonds down in the box. They won't be able to do that yet. KZ is on IR. We'll see when he can come back. Rumor is it may not be till November, um, you know, later on in the year, obviously, with that wrist slash arm injury. But the Sewers did, elected not to go out and sign new blood to, to, to fill in his spot. Now, I think they still like Trey Norwood a lot. I think you're still going to see a lot of Trey Norwood in those dime situations, you saw that last year. They got more and more comfortable. He was a big part of that Chiefs game at the end of the year. Uh, I think you'll still see that this year. But, you know, again, I don't know that they're going to feel like they can run. Can they run those same sets, you know, with Norwood and Minka potentially as a, as a too high shell with Edmonds in the box? I don't know if they're going to feel uh, as, as comfortable as they would have potentially with a veteran like Demonte Casey. And so, uh, again, just something, something to watch for as we get into Sunday's football game. No real changes here on the special as far as special teams. Gunner is your punt returner and kick returner. Sims is there as, as a as a backup in those spots. Um, Sims is another guy who, as I said, we'll see what happens with Deontay. If Deontay is healthy, 
Maybe Sims is inactive on game days. Um, again, I, you know, who the, who the 46 are going to be on a game to game basis uh, may, may change with the matchups and obviously with who's healthy, but that is the depth chart as it, as it exists today. That is your 53 man roster as well. Overall, I mean, I'm pretty pleased with where the Steelers ended up, right? I mean, you know, no major changes from what we, from what was the expectation. Um, you know, I, I think that as far as the position battles, you know, Dotson was an obvious one, Devin Bush versus Robert Spillane. You know, I, I don't think there was a, there was ever, there was never going to be a great choice, right? I don't think there was ever going to be a choice that the Steelers picked that every Steeler fan was going to love. Um, and so, you know, I, I think Devin's probably the best of what was essentially two not great options, quite honestly. But uh, here we are now in the NFL season is, is just days away from starting. It starts Thursday night, Bills at Rams, and the Steelers play 1 o'clock on Sunday. Here's the schedule for the rest of the week. I'm going to be – I'll do AFC North Talk tomorrow night. So that's my other show that I do here on YouTube. It's a roundtable show all about the AFC North. We're going to be previewing Sunday's games in the AFC North on that show tomorrow night. That's Wednesday night. Then Thursday, I'll be back here to do my season prediction for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll be talking about kind of the season as a whole, my expectations for the season. Friday night, I'll do a game preview. That'll be the preview of the, the upcoming game against the City Bengals. And then we'll be back on uh, Tuesday of next week to do a recap of that game right here on Steeler Country. <laughs>